Let's get started like usual. First of all, everybody who is joining me today, I'm here in the radio studio live on June 8th today. So, but I will not be next week. Now that I do not live in town, I'll be commuting to come do the show and I won't be commuting every week. So when I'm done doing this show today, I'm going to record another one for you guys to hear next week. And that will be posted to Spotify next week as well. And, you know, all the other podcast stuff. So there's so many ways to listen to me talk. First is live on the air, like right now on Radio St. George 100.3 KDXI. And one is on the Radio St. George Facebook page. In fact, you can actually watch video of me talking if that's something that you want to see. It can be entertaining. And... Then, like I said, once I record these things, then I post them to the pod catchers. So wherever you listen to podcasts, look up Radio St. George 100.3, and I'll be listed under there. I am intending to do some work on my YouTube channel that I started once a couple of years ago and was not successful in the past at putting and updating all that stuff. But I'm hoping to do that better for you guys now. And go back and and put up a lot of those, the things I've been talking about for the last four years. Because that's how long I've been doing this as of next month. And make some of that available to you to go back and see kind of the process that I made and where I've come. In my way of getting to where I am now. Because as you guys all know, that wasn't easy. That didn't happen automatically. So, let's start with what I got for you guys today. What I have today is I want you to understand that other people's expectations for you are not for you. That what is almost enough for someone else is definitely enough for you. Let me start with a story. And this is a true story. And it's a story about me. And it's a story about how I was almost an Eagle Scout. Because when I was a kid, my dad was a Scoutmaster. Also, my dad cared a lot about Scouting. And my dad cared a lot about the outdoors. Still does. And it was very important for my dad that myself and my sisters, as well as my three brothers, learn Scouting. And I went to... Girl Scouts? And it wasn't the same. I learned some fun things there, but they didn't teach me the same things that the kids talked about in Boy Scouts. So I was always interested, not always, sometimes there's other things going on, but very often interested in whatever it is that my dad was doing, taking the boys scouting. And I got to go with him pretty often. And that meant that when the boys went camping, I went camping. And when the boys hiked mountains, I hiked mountains. And when the boys dug graves in the snow, I dug graves in the snow. We call it a grave, but that's where you sleep because it's actually really warm. When the boys kayaked rivers, I kayaked rivers. (laughs) I actually love rivers because there's so many things you can do with them. You can kayak them. You can float them. You can whitewater raft them. You can camp next to them and bury your poop in a hole right there. There's so many things you can do with a river. 
And I was able to do these things mostly because of my dad, but in a very, very large part because of the scouts. Because I got to go, not always, but very often where the scouts went. And when the scouts cooked over a fire, I cooked over a fire. And when the scouts slept out under the stars, I slept in a hammock. And I kept a, usually, I'd usually find a pretty good hefty stick to keep in my hammock that I could use to rock myself, push it against the ground to, give my, to rock myself. But it was also very handy if any scouts, after my dad fell asleep, wanted to try my hammock out. And that's the thing that I never told my dad about because if I told him that, he wouldn't let me come back anymore. And I was very effective at keeping scouts out of my hammock. And that was the thing that dad never had to know so that I could keep going out with the scouts. Now, I was not able to earn all of the same awards that most of the boys did. But had I been able to earn all of the awards that I believe I earned, I would have been two qualifications short of achieving my eagle. And the second one I didn't bother with because I, I knew I didn't have the first one. The second one was the Eagle Project. I don't know if you spent any time in Scouts, but the Eagle Project is a big deal. It takes a lot of money. You usually have to get it donated or come up with it yourself. And it's really awesome, actually, because these are usually community-centered projects that go on to be helpful to the community for years or sometimes decades. And I never bothered doing an Eagle Project. Now, the reason I didn't do my Eagle Project was because I knew I didn't have the first qualification. And the first qualification that I didn't have was a penis. Because even though I had done everything that the boys had done, I lacked uh, what some people, I think, think of as a priesthood antenna, which meant that no matter how hard I worked or, or how many campouts I went on or how many qualifications I did side by side with the boys I was out there with, I was never going to be able to get my eagle, so it didn't matter if I did the project or not. And so what that means now means a few things. One thing is it means is because of that, there is one less community-centered eagle project completed and one less eagle scout in the world because of the one reason that I don't have a penis. And truthfully, that's a thing that I'm not willing to trade. I've put some thought into that, and I decided for myself. I was good not getting an eagle because I actually really like being a girl, and that way I didn't have to go to as many meetings. So in the end, that worked out for me. And you know what else? I, have, I still have the scouts to thank, and not only the scouts, but my father for taking me out there, for putting me on the trail with a backpack on, for helping me pack my backpack, for not carrying it for me, for not carrying me, but for telling me to keep putting one foot in front of the other and teaching me how to do those things. And my life is better because I know how to do those things. I can start a fire without matches. I can be stuck in the woods and build a lean-to and know what to eat within reason, because I had those opportunities. So maybe I never got that award, the big one, that all the boys worked so hard to get, but my life today has the same benefits that theirs does because I know how to do those things.
And in that way, almost enough is enough. Maybe I didn't meet all of the qualifications that somebody else put up on a list as what is required to do yada yada. But I met all of the qualifications that were important to me. I met every single one of them that mattered to me. And I got out of that what I want out of that. Now, you might say, oh, maybe you can't put Eagle Scout on your resume now because you don't actually have that. And that is a great thing to have on a resume. But let me tell you a quick story about um, my ex-husband. And he tells this story, and it's kind of funny. He had a job that he was applying to, and he'd applied a couple times and hadn't heard back. So he applied a third time. And the third time, he added Eagle Scout to his resume, even though he is not an Eagle Scout. And he got a call, and he got an interview, and the interview went really well. And the guy said, hey, I can't believe I haven't called you before. How did I not notice you before? And he told him, well, that's because in the past I didn't have Eagle Scout on my resume. This time I put Eagle Scout on my resume, so you called me. And the guy's jaw kind of dropped, and he said, uh, are you an Eagle Scout? And Chris said, no, I'm not. But having it on my resume got me in here and got me the chance to talk to you. So you can decide now if I'm worth hiring or not. And the guy hired him, and he worked with him successfully for many years. So in that way, I don't really feel like I'm missing out by not having my Eagle Scout. But like I said, the qualifications that were important to me were enough to me. And that's what matters. That's absolutely, in the long run, what matters. Maybe somebody else's qualifications aren't enough, but I don't need to live up to somebody else's qualifications. Let me tell you a story about my dog. Because my dog is one of the coolest dogs that there is. And it's going to sound like I'm bragging about me here, but I'm actually bragging about my dog. My dog's name is Clifford. He's not just a great Dane. He's an extraordinary Dane. And a couple of years ago, when COVID was going on, I was working in a nursing home. And a nursing home is not a great place to be during COVID. In fact, it's a freaking depressing place to be during COVID. And one of my biggest frustrations was that I couldn't even touch my patients. They couldn't see my face and I was not even allowed to touch them skin to skin. There had to be gloves or some type of thing in between us and it was devastating emotionally for everyone. Well, my dog asked me if he could come to work with me and I didn't understand that that's what he was asking me for a while. But I asked my boss about it and I said, hey, my dog, I'd like to bring him in but he, he's not a certified therapy dog or anything, but he is my emotional support animal. And my boss said to me, if he is your emotional support animal and he causes no problems while he's here, we can't tell you not to bring him. Now, the other part of that was, well, anyway, that would take too long. Moving on. I started bringing my dog to work. And the first time I brought him, I thought, okay, if this goes well, you can come back next week for a few hours. 
But after the first night, 12-hour shift that my dog spent with me at work, he came back with me the next night and the next night, and he worked with me full-time, two to three 12-hour shifts overnight, every week, and he spent that time loving these patients. He was off-leash almost constantly. He speaks English, so all you have to do is talk to him and tell him what you want him to do, and he'll do it. He is smart enough that he would follow the snack cart around by one and a half rooms so that everybody would know to get two snacks, one for them and one for him. And my patients couldn't see my face through my mask, but Clifford didn't have to wear a mask. They could see his face. They could see his smile because he has a big one. And Clifford didn't have to wear gloves, so my patients were able to touch him, and he was able to touch them. And that physical contact between two living animals, humans and dogs, whatever it is, gave them something that they couldn't get anywhere else right then. And Chris uh, Clifford, sorry, the other story is about the Eagle Scout thing. Clifford, um, never, I, we talked about getting him a therapeutic license, but the thing is, he didn't need it. I could have taken him to a class and gotten him a certificate, but Clifford didn't need a certificate in order to go into that building and love those people. All he needed was a workaround in the rules to get there. And now, I believe Clifford still doesn't need a a therapeutic license or certification because now Clifford has a resume. Clifford's picture is on the wall at work. So again, just because somebody else makes up a list of what you might think would be required for a thing doesn't mean you necessarily have to follow all of the things on that list. Be safe, always. But I once had someone ask me, how did you know you could do that? Or who told you you could do that? And I think the thing that she was specifically asking about was when I was 17 years old and I went to the bank and got a loan to buy a motorcycle without asking my parents first. And... When my friend heard that story, she said, who told you you could do that? And I laughed upon hearing her question. Who needs to tell me I can do that? Can I do a thing? Here's how to know if you can do a thing. Is it safe? Do you have the resources, skills, and ability to accomplish that thing? If those things, the answer is yes, you can probably do that thing. And maybe other people at 17 might not know that you can go to the bank and get a loan. But hey, if you don't ask, the answer's no anyway. And I didn't know, honestly, when I was 17 and I walked in if they were going to let me walk out with a loan. But I wouldn't have known if I hadn't walked in and asked. What I'm saying is what somebody else thinks the qualifications are might not actually be the qualifications. And for you, almost enough might actually be absolutely enough. Because what somebody else says is enough and what you say are enough aren't the same thing.
When it comes to setting standards for yourself, set your own. Let me tell you about a job that I had that did this really well. It was a few years ago for the same company that I was just referring to, but a different building. And I was on the management team at that time. And our boss really wanted to get us motivated. So he worked with every single one of us on the management team, one-on-one -on -one individually, to set goals. Now, these weren't just goals, and it wasn't just one or two goals. I believe I had 13 goals, and they were not easy goals. They were big, hairy, audacious goals. We called them BHAGs. And what was really great about my big, hairy, audacious goals, all 13 of them, was that I agreed to every one of them. And some of them I knew would be pretty easy, and some of them I knew would be a lot harder. And I think that I had to reach 11 or 12 of the goals in order to maximize on the reward that my boss and I also set together and agreed on together. When it came to a couple of those goals on there, a couple of them I knew were going to be tough. And in one way, I did not want those goals on my list because I knew it was going to be a lot harder to, to achieve those and that my overall reward might be at risk if I couldn't. However, I also wanted those goals on there because they were good goals for me to achieve. My boss didn't pick up some big, hairy, audacious goal that I was never going to be able to accomplish with the intention of holding a carrot in front of my nose that I'm never going to be able to get. My boss and I sat down together and we made these rules, these goals together. And he encouraged me to stretch myself. And he encouraged me to push myself. And at the end of the goal period, not only did I get the reward that my boss and I had set up for myself, but I also got the added benefits of all of these things that I was now doing and all of these things that I was accomplishing and had accomplished that made my job easier and that made me better at my job. And the reason I'm mentioning that again is because it wasn't about my boss sitting down with me and telling me what I had to do. My boss, Clint, did a fantastic job of sitting down with me and figuring out what was important to me. And in fact, these goals weren't even all about work. There had to be at least a few of them that were not related to work, that had to do with how I spent my free time and engaging in my hobbies and helping my family and things like that. So it really did help me feel like that boss cared about me and cared about not only my success as it's going to pay back our shared employer and benefits, but how it's also going to make me a better person. That was a good boss. Turned out that he and I both ended up quitting from that job right about the same time, but I've still had the opportunity to work with some of his family members, and I have been continued to be impressed by the way that they care about each individual person, customer, employee, etc. And when it comes to bosses, if you are a boss, if you might be a boss, please consider that, that 
you have individual employees. You might have a team, but your team consists of individual employees. And when those individual employees feel that they are being seen individually, they will go farther for you. They will do more for you. They will set higher individual goals for themselves than they would ever set as a team because they believe that they will be able to accomplish their own goals, but they don't trust everybody else on the team to complete their part of that deal. This comes back to what I talk about pretty much all the time. Your life is about you. When people ask me what I talk about on this show, I've had a lot of different things that I've said. I say mostly I talk about how to make your life better. Ideas, suggestions, nothing that you have to do because as I usually say, I don't expect you to believe anything that I say just because I say it. And I certainly don't expect you to do anything that I do just because I do it. On the other hand, if something that I say here sounds beneficial to you, sounds helpful to you, might come in handy in your life, give it a try because the best study is a self-study and that's the only way that you're going to know. So one thing I tell people too is that the show's kind of about spirituality your own way, finding your way to do that. And that's what so much of what I have to say is. Remember, don't let other people set standards for you. Don't agree to any standard without considering if that's a fair standard for you. Remember that there is a law of consent in the universe. And just because someone says this is what is expected of you does not mean that that's necessarily true. No one else has a right to tell you what is expected of you. They can tell you what's expected of you within frames. Like, hey, you're at work for the next eight hours. This is what we want you to do while you're here. And, as, and you can also expect from us that we're going to pay you or give you this reward in exchange, right? But you have a right to say whether or not you want to be there. You have a right to say whether or not you're going to take those instructions. You always have a choice. And there are some people who choose to not work and to sleep out under the stars every night and to have absolute freedom in their lives. And if that's what those people choose and that's how they find happiness... It's not my place to tell them otherwise. And you might look at somebody who lives that way and say, wow, that's not enough for me. Cool. I hope, you, I hope that if that's the case, you acknowledge it. And I hope that you also look at that person and say, maybe it's enough for him. Maybe it's not and he wants something better and maybe it is. And maybe that's exactly the life that he wants to live. So remember too, that just as much as you hope that other people don't expect you to live up to their expectations and live up to their guidelines, remember too that it's unfair to expect other people to live up to your guidelines. It's unfair to expect other people to live up to your expectations. It's unfair to expect other people to try to make you happy. 